Scripture goes on to say in verse 6, together the Bible says, so they are no longer what? They're no longer two, but what? But one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Verse 7, why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a what? A certificate of divorce. And then what else? And then Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. Verse 9, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery.
This is one of these words today where we're going to need all of God's grace to help us through it. Would you say amen? amen. So we're going to talk about this thing today. Ain't going to be a lot of hooping and hollering. So the same way Jesus said, if you want it, come get it. If you don't want it, then just cart it. So let me give you the context of this statement. Jesus, man, just, and I don't know if any, some of you are paying attention. Jesus, man, just said some stuff in this sermon that's going to force me to do some cooking today. But uh, he said something in the message, uh, the passage of scripture, that would literally give you the impression that Jesus doesn't have any grace or mercy. He, he came very strong when the Pharisees questioned him about the grounds for divorce. divorce. So, um, there are two passages of scripture we're going to look at today. Matthew 19, 1 Corinthians 7. You're going to need to further study this thing. So I'm just telling you in advance, those are passages of scripture that you might want to take notes on and say, let me go back and study this today. So much information is going to be coming at you. I just want you to be well aware of where we're going. All right. First, the context. So when Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees about his view on marriage and divorce, there is something going on behind the scenes that we need to familiarize ourselves with. First, context. Somebody say context. So, you know, the Bible did not have chapters in it. Chapters were added years later to help people like me and you to be able to find a verse. So when Jesus, you know, was inspired through the Holy Spirit, inspired to write, they didn't put chapter 1, verse 2. They just wrote, like somebody writes a book, you're writing a book, you just write logically based on the way things fit. Is everybody following me? This is very important. So when Jesus is inspiring Matthew to write this, it is interesting to note that Matthew 19, a discussion on marriage and divorce, follows Matthew 18 that specifically talks about forgiveness. The whole chapter is consumed with forgiveness. And let me just give you the, the, the context here. Now, I'm just asking you, to, you got to, you got to give me your minds today. The first thing that Jesus talks about in Matthew 18, verses 6 through 9, is causing children to stumble. And he says, it will be better for a millstone to be hung around your neck, and this is the words of Jesus, and you to be thrown into the depths of the sea than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Now, he's setting up the conversation, the writer is, about divorce, but he has to set it up on a firm foundation. Then the next thing that we see in Matthew 18, verse 10, is he talks about a wandering sheep. And he says, if you, yeah, listen, if you got 99, there's 100 sheep, and one leaves, leave the 99 and go find the one. So watch the bill, watch the bill. Then the second, the third thing he talks about is dealing with sin in the church. This is the most violated passage of scripture in all of the church. So what he says is, if there's conflict, most believers, the first thing you should do is go to that believer one-on-one. -on -one. You don't go get your posse. You don't go call your wife. Listen to me. I'm, this is what I'm telling you. Listen, you don't go and ask somebody what they feel about their situation. The Bible says you minimize drama. When if I've got an issue with Jeff, I go to Jeff one-on-one. -on -one. And I say to Jeff, you got this jersey on, brother. You clearly are the number one kid for the Cleveland Rats. Listen, I'll tell you right now, if Jeff is the big big good hand, come on, say amen. But I go to Jeff. I deal with Jeff one-on-one. -on -one. And then, if me and Jeff are not able to resolve our differences, then the Bible says, I bring in, number two, step number two, another person to help, to help mediate. If I, if I were to give this to you in modern nomenclature, this is a counselor. Yeah. This is not somebody on your side. 
This is somebody to help bring you to what, everybody? Help you to bring you together. Then the word of God says, if that doesn't work, then bring them to the church. And it says, if you bring them to the church, the point is not to put them on blast, put them on front street, but the whole goal is reconciliation. If there's brokenness, and Jesus is so serious about this in Matthew, the fifth chapter, he says, look, if you and your brother are not in agreement or your sister are not in agreement with each other, he said, leave your gift at the altar. Don't even show up. That's right. yeah. Amen. He says, I, he said, I'm not so much concerned about you showing up to church as much as I'm concerned about you having mended relation, broken relationships mended. Are you hearing me? We violate that passage of scripture. And Rosemary says, he says, even after that third step, you bring it before the church and, and the church elders and leadership, and there's still that uh, uh, reconciliation. He said, then treat them like an unbeliever. You know what that means? That doesn't mean treat them like they're bad. It means treat them like an unbeliever. You know, you know what the church is supposed to do with unbelievers? Love them and win them. So the Bible said, if you started at one, now I need you to go back to one again. The Bible doesn't say you put the deuces up and say, I'm done with it. Now, there's certain situations you can't force somebody to reconcile, but you are never to treat somebody, oh, Lord, have mercy, like you have been treated. And the reason why we know that is because the next thing that Christ deals with, and by the way, there's so much drama in the church and drama in people's lives because they do not follow the steps of Matthew 18. I'm not telling you, Brother Brown. They do not follow the steps of Matthew 18. They, 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 they create drama. They get other people involved in the drama. They get through a line on their side. And it creates more of a mess than there should be. There are things that I have issues with people. I don't tell my wife first. Because my wife is my wife. She's going to take my side no matter what. I'm like, baby, I shot somebody in the whole club. Because they ain't do nothing. Listen, let's roll up. Let's go through it. Bible, we got each other up. We ride and die. Sometimes you tell the wrong person, the person who's on your side, they're going to take your side. They're not going to provide objectivity for the situation. Are y'all hearing me? And so notice, after that, now this is critical, then Jesus tells the parable, Jesus tells the parable of the unmerciful servant. Some of you have heard this parable in the scriptures before. It's that guy, he owes this real, real big debt. He can't pay it back. You've heard this before. And, and so, he, and so he, the, the guy comes to collect. He says, I can't pay it back. The owner who, who holds the debt says, I forgive you the debt. He says, and so this guy who gets forgiven this big debt that he can't pay back, some little dude comes up who don't owe him hardly anything, and then he looks at that guy and says, give me what I asked for, imprisons the guy. And Jesus is making a point. And he says at the end of the text, he says, I'm not going to forgive you if you don't forgive others. So do you not see the setup that is coming for the question on divorce? The setup is, work it out. The setup is, I worked it out for you. As a matter of fact, the whole Bible is based on this premise. It's really hard for you to see this if you're just doing a natural reading of the King James Version. But the whole Bible is based on a marriage. The way the Bible was written in the Hebrew is based on a marriage. Christ makes a covenant with us for no reason. You're not pretty. You're not nice. You're not faithful. You're not faithful. As a matter of fact, the term of adultery is used in a spiritual language in the scriptures to show how we have treated God. But he makes covenant and says, I've placed my word on you. And even to the end of the scriptures, there's going to be a great wedding we see in Revelation 19 that symbolizes, oh Lord, the consummation of what Christ has done for us. And listen, Christ could divorce us. He's got grounds. But he doesn't. And so this is the context. And so then the debate comes. Now, I'm going to get deep today. And look, man, I, I, look, I just have to, I'm just going to give it to you. So y'all just going to have to hang in there. I, just, I ain't no shouting and hooping. 
Got this little egg thing, goodbye, pay attention to that. But after that, if you don't got a mind to handle deep stuff, then just go ahead and peace out now. <laughs> so the second thing you understand, not only was the context, the second thing, first of all, was the context. Jesus emphasized reconciliation. The next thing Jesus uh, that was going on in the background, somebody said the background, there was a debate going on between two theological schools of thought of the Pharisees. That there was the conservative group called the Shammai, and then there was a liberal group called the Hillel. Don't that sound familiar? Yeah. I always got one group over here, we conservative, one group be liberal. And, here, and here's basically what their thinking was. There was a text in scripture, Deuteronomy 24.1, that was the only text, the first text in the Bible that has anything to do with divorce. By the way, I'm pointing this out to you right now. There is not one text in scripture where Jesus or the Father or the Spirit introduces the idea of divorce. Divorce, we don't, we don't know where it came from. God did not create divorce. This was an idea that was created by man at some point we don't know. So Matthew 24, 1 talks about that and it's Moses' law. Now watch this here. So this is what it says. In Matthew 24, verse 1, it says, If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, the scripture goes on to say that he'll put her away. Now look, that's very nebulous, isn't it? He just finds something that's pleasing. So you have these two schools of thought, and they would interpret this differently. Now, this is going to be funny. So this is how the Shemai, the Shemai group would interpret that passage saying, so look, basically, like Jesus' mother, remember Jesus' mother? Uh, she was pregnant before, with Christ, before marriage, and Joseph was like, I'm going to put her away. You know why? Because Joseph, first of all, Joseph didn't know this, because he was pregnant under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Come on, say that. But Joseph was thinking, she's pregnant during engagement. And in biblical days, engagement was just as serious as marriage. If you, if you told somebody, we are engaged in an arranged marriage setting, you are, were for all intents and purposes married until consummation. Amen. Are we all here? Yeah. Are we all here? Yeah. Okay, all right. If you're not, I'm going to appreciate it. Come on, say it. You just lose me just now. Thank you so the, the Shemai group said, that's what... That's grounds for uh, divorce. If, if something happens in the engagement that is, that is especially the woman, or the man, when the woman does anything unchaste, gets pregnant, fools around, gets caught in the barn with somebody, comes out with hay all over her head, <laughs> uh, uh, then you have grounds, conservative group. But the Hillel group, which is the... Uh, which is a liberal group, they said, this is the debate that's going on that precipitated this request to Jesus, man, can we divorce for any reason? The other group says, if she burns a meal, <laughs> put her away. Or if you find somebody prettier. I mean, just, come on, brother. <laughs> now, listen, let me just go ahead and say this. We know where divorce came from. A man made it up. A woman did not make up the divorce. I can't go no. Thank you. First of all, in that society, it was a patriarchal society, which is to say it was a male-dominated society. The whole conversation has nothing to do with women. It's about men. But the line is, some dude found a prettier woman and said, I got an idea. Let's create something called divorce. Some dude's wife cooked for him, he got sick, and she didn't look like his mama. He said, look, I got an idea. Let's, 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 let's do something called divorce. This is where it came from, okay? So you've got this argument going. Are we all together, everybody? Yeah. 
Go to just feed your soul for a minute. Are we all together, everybody? Amen. So you got all this going on. You got Jesus' emphasis on redemption and reconciliation in his mind, and he sets the groundwork for us. Then on the other hand, you got this debate going on in the church about one, one extreme and the other extreme. And so then they try to trap him. Watch this. Some Pharisees came to him to do what everybody, and they asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Now watch Jesus' answer. Buckle your seatbelts. This is not condemnation. I'm just trying to lay for you the word of God. What? The first thing that comes out about Jesus' mouth is what? What is he appealing to? Now, he's talking. Now, he knows they've read because these are the most biblically literate deep brothers on the planet. They could quote the first five books of the Bible by memory, and if they made a mistake, they can correct themselves. But what he's essentially saying to them is, is y'all ain't studied. <laughs> y'all ain't been in the Word. He says, you're trying to find loopholes in the Word. Now watch what he says. He says, he replied, that after what, everybody? Yeah. At the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. So the first thing Christ does is he does not talk about their little argument. He refers back to the institution that he created. It's the equivalent. I told him first, uh, some of you are Ford and GMT, but I don't know what. But if, if you're a GM person, a navigator, is, this, uh, is it a navigator? Is that, did I get that right? Escalade. An Escalade is essentially a Chevy. It's a GM. It's a Cadillac, but it's the same engine in there as in the Suburban. It's just got a few more bells and whistles. But if that Escalade, you don't like the way that Escalade is driving, you don't take that Escalade to Lexus. You don't take that Escalade to Toyota. Jesus is saying, you bring the Escalade to the person who's got the blueprints on it. The person who designed it on the assembly line. What Christ is saying is, is you're debating about something that I created. Yeah. Yeah. He says, let's go back to the beginning when I started this thing. Right. I love this. He says, I made them male and female. Verse 5, and notice what he says, and said, Jesus still talking, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will be called what everybody. Yes. Now, now, verse 6. So they are no longer, please stay here, please stay here, please stay here. They are no longer two. Now, he's still answering their question. Can we divorce for any reason? He's not going to some old philosophical thing they can't figure out. He says they are no longer two, but what? One. Therefore, what God has joined together... Let no one separate. So this is what Jesus basically said. They're saying, Jesus, tell us what reasons you suggest that we can get divorced. Jesus steps back and says, how can you un one one? He said, you're one. You're asking. So let me illustrate this real quick. So, so let me illustrate this real quick. Bam. All right, good. We good. I'm about to make some scrambled eggs. Right here. <laughs> Boom. Okay. What I've done is I've separated the white from the what? Okay. Now, can I still make scrambled eggs? Okay. This is the husband and this is the wife. They, they come together for marriage. Everybody get it? They come together for marriage. They married now. They married. I was asking seasonings in here. That's the bedroom. Come on, see. Makes it taste better. Makes it taste better, amen? Good kindness. Yeah. And I got this boy on. Let me, let me turn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on high. 
So I'm, I'm scrambling eggs right now, okay? And what, what's happening is, is the white and the yolk are no longer separate. This is what Jesus is trying to show y'all. He's trying to tell y'all that you're no longer, in other words, he's saying if, if we were somehow able to change this, how would we do it? Come on now, come on. Like how, he's saying, Jesus is like, hold on, the way I started this thing was that when it happened, you became one. So like, you're, now you're asking me how to undo what I did. It's a mystery. Uh, it's, it's, it's no, there's really no way that you can do that. But let me tell you this, there's no way. In other words, let me tell you this. Marriage is one of the most influential relationships because it's very impossible for one spouse to be saved and the other lost. It's more probable that they'll both go to the same place. They're one. Now, I know you guys live in a Western society where you, in Western culture, everybody is an individual. And everybody does what they want to do. But I'm just telling you, the way Jesus set up marriage was that he made it one. Now, so the thing is, is well, we want to, I mean, that's not the way I like it. I like mine kind of fried hard, you know what I'm saying? But, but it's all good. So, so I might make a little mess here. But, so, so now they say, we, we want a divorce. Why? She can't cook. Okay. You're going over here. And he's going to go. Over here. They did. They did work. But guess what? No matter who you get with, no matter who you get with, you still got some of him in you. No matter who you get with, you still got some of her in you. Wow. That's why, that's why the results for post, for second and third marriages is low. It's just, I'm just saying, now this is not judgment. Stay with me. Stay with me. It's just Jesus is like, how did you do that? I made you one. It's hard to, it's hard to undo this thing. Now, I, I want to show you something real quick. So Jesus refers to creation. He says, marriage was my idea. And he, then he goes on and says, first of all, I officiated the first marriage. That's right. He says, oneness in there, one flesh. He says, you can't really, listen, listen. He's talking, we're not talking about from a legal perspective. We're not talking about from a divorce and going down to, 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 to whatever, probate, whatever it is. We're not talking about that. We're saying from a spiritual perspective. This is Jesus' words, not mine. He said, how does that happen? Very difficult. So watch what he says in Genesis 2. Here's the purpose of marriage. I promise you right now, I don't know if you've ever heard like this before. The purpose of marriage. So here, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, watch this everybody, you are free to do what? Eat, eat from any tree in the garden. Verse 17, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of what? For when you eat of it, you will surely what? I'm going to show you why marriage started in the first place. Verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good. Now, if you read Genesis 1 to Genesis 2, the thing that Jesus keeps saying over and over again is, it's good. 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 Now, Adam is single, and he doesn't even know it. That's right. right. So Adam, now, a lot of times when people preach this, they say Adam goes to God and says, look, I see a monkey, and he got a monkey ass, and I see a lion, and he got a lion. This is not biblical preaching. Adam was good. Adam didn't go to the Lord and say, no, Lord, I just, I just saw an elephant, and he got a girl, and can you give me, Adam, it got occurred to him that he was by himself. He was by himself, but he was not lonely. The only reason why he knew that he was alone is because the Lord 
get the picture. What just happened before this? Context, context, context. What just happened before this is the Lord said to Adam, you're good. You got your own path. What kind of path you got? The planet. You're good. You got your own job. What's your, what's your job? Maintaining your planet. You're good. You're not even thinking about anything. You, as a matter of fact, you don't have a relationship with God. I got that on lock. How so? I don't have a Bible. Why don't you need a Bible? I don't talk to the Word itself. I don't pray. What's prayer? Why don't pray? Adam knew nothing about prayer was. He had to intercede and pray, and he was on his face for what? He talked to God face to face. Paul says the Lord would walk in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam had everything he needed. Oh, I'm talking to somebody today. Oh, you don't get married for somebody that's going to tell who you are. What you're doing, essentially, is you're becoming a problem to another person. You've got to be good. Oh, God, be good in who you are. Adam was good. The Lord said, you got a problem. He said, I do. He said, yeah, you're alone. I didn't even know that. Lord, the word of God says the Lord put him to sleep. But what says, this is the reason why he did it, which is the reason why you're in the there was a chronological step to him showing him why he needed help. Oh, please don't miss this. I'm going to enjoy this all by myself. I'm sorry. So much what he says. He tells him it's not good for him to be alone. Why? Because it was a tree. You didn't guess that. First thing he says to him is there's a tree in the garden. Be careful. If you touch it, you're going to die. The next thing out of his mouth is it's not good to by yourself. You didn't catch it. He said, look, man, you could ruin everything I've done for you. And it's in the middle, I've left your choice. It's right in the middle of the garden. And then, he says, it's not good that you're by yourself. Do you see how it's clicking in Adam's mind? Adam now realizes, oh, 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 the reason why I need somebody in my life is to help me maintain my relationship and my vow to God. Jesus is saying, the reason why you get married, brothers and sisters, is designed to save you and change you. Marriage is not for happiness. It's not. Where are we getting this from? All this falling in love stuff that I've been telling you about is from hell. You can't fall in love. That's temporary. All the folks know what I'm talking about. Help me today. Just as soon as you fall in, you fall out. Mm. Marriage is based on covenant. Covenant is not a contract. Covenant is not based on if they're good to me or not. Covenant says I'm in it to life. Why? Because he's in me to life. Forever. So watch this. The, the, the Hebrew word for helper, he said it'll make a helper suitable for him. You know what the Hebrew word for helper is? It literally means a defense. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Come on, Monty. Come on back. Come on back. Come on back. Now, I'm setting you up to get you a good man. Monty, Monty, come on in. Come on. Tree, you the tree. You the tree. Stand right there. Stand right there. Stand right there. Stand right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Adam said over here, it's just Adam and a tree. The Lord says, that's not a good setup. Because although he has me in his life, he needs somebody who also has me yeah. to help him keep his covenant to me. Amen. So the Lord says, and he pulls around the window, it's a beautiful day. As soon as Adam saw it, he start going into poetry. Like, well, Adam went into praise right then and there. Whoa! Whoa! 
Now Eve is supposed to be a protector from evil. She fine, yes. We will make good babies together, yes. But that's not her number one reason that's for right. being in your life. Her number she the word for defense literally is a military term. I mean, she's supposed to be like looking for the enemy and shooting him down. The very purpose of marriage, same thing, I can switch sides. The very purpose of marriage is that the husband is supposed to spiritually guard his wife and his family from the hand of the enemy. All right. Marriage is not for sex. Sex is a benefit of marriage. Marriage is not just for reproduction. Reproduction is a benefit of marriage. Marriage is not so you can have company. Company is a benefit for marriage. The main purpose of marriage is that you have somebody in your life to keep you on your assignment, to keep you on your purpose, to keep you trained up. Now, 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 now. Sometimes that person may not be Eve. Which means she's not perfect. He's not perfect. He's got a bunch of issues, doesn't he? He got a bunch of stuff that makes you pray. Come on, talk to me. He got stuff that makes you fast. But is marriage still doing its job? Because things are not, you're not happy. You feel like the marriage is over. No, the marriage is doing its job if you're being drawn closer to the Savior. And some of you guys question that. Oh, he's bringing out the worst of me. That's a good thing. Because you never knew that was in you until he helped you to bring it out. And now that you know it's out, you need to confess that thing and give it to God. Go ahead. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Marriage is about holiness. Marriage is designed to change you. So the Pharisees were not satisfied with this, so they had a counter question. You know what I'm saying? You know how you don't get the right answer? You're just like, hold on, let me follow. Let me see if I can see if I can make adjustment here. Right. Oh, let me just say this. This is why this is why a dude cannot be a husband to you if you don't have the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, this is not church talk. This is not church talk, guys. Look, if marriage was created by Satan, then you can get away with that. But marriage was created by God, which means there are certain, there are certain things that make a marriage work that God set up. And, and really, listen to me now, marriage cannot do what it does if you have people in the marriage that do not have the Spirit of God. Amen. And I'm going to show you in a few other texts that if you've got at least one person, oh, bless his name. The Lord says, if I can just get one person in the marriage that has the Spirit of God, the marriage has a fighting chance. Yes. Yes. So Pharisees, they can't handle it. Watch this. The Bible says, they say, uh, okay, uh, so why then they asked, did, did Moses uh, command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? In other words, you pay, it sounds like you're saying, Jesus, that we really shouldn't divorce for any reason. That's what it sounds like. So why did Moses say we could? Watch Jesus' response. They should, now, honestly, I wish that they had never asked that. Because if they never asked that, I wouldn't have to preach the rest of this message. And all of us would be comfortably marrying anybody we wanted, anytime we wanted, to break up. I wish they would not have pressed the issue for him. But because they pressed the issue, they forced Jesus, not that they forced him, but they put Jesus in a position where he had to say one of the hardest statements in the Bible. Here it goes. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. Pause. Jesus is saying, first of all, divorce is never my idea. I went along with it. So somewhere Moses got hold of it. And the only reason why Moses permitted it is because your heart wasn't right. Yeah. 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 Divorce is for folks whose hearts are not right. Yeah. 
He goes further. He says, but if, come on, read with me, y'all. But it was not. Do you see how Jesus keeps throwing us back to the original? He's like, stop getting caught up in this. Think about what I want this thing to be. Next. In verse 9, he says, I tell you. Now, now this is, Lord have mercy. I'm not going to really move this and stuff. But this man right here, this is, a, this is a hard, this is hard. He says, I tell you, that anyone who divorces, this is the word of God. It's not me. I, I don't even like preaching this because I've passed for 15 years and I'm telling you, the things that I have seen in marriages, I wish there were more grounds for divorce. I wish there were. As a matter of fact, I'm telling y'all now, if you come to me, you are doing a very good thing if you come to me for pre-marital counseling because I'm going to try to break you up. And if you can stand the test of being broken up, then I know you're supposed to be together. I'm being slightly facetious, but what I'm saying is, is I, it is my responsibility as a counselor to force you to think deeply and critically about this. This is one of the reasons why I do not like premarital counseling. I like pre-engagement counseling. Don't come and see me. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, I'm just preaching now. I'm saying, okay, wherever you come, I'll receive you. Yeah. It's better, and I don't get paid for this either. All right, notice. It is better to get the counseling before you decide than to get the counseling after you decide. Because once you decide, it ain't nothing nobody can say. When sister, you done bought your dress, when your brother done invited all of his boys to get tucked feet off.
that we bring to the table. That's why I'm, I'm giving to you now. Do not do this without him. Stop letting your lowings call out. Stop letting your loneliness cry out for you. There is more pain in a broken marriage than there is by yourself. Now watch this. This is going to really blow your mind. I'm going to go ahead and preach this. That's why Louis says verse 31. Look, I'm just trying to give you Jesus' perspective on this. Jesus is really saying, he's really saying there's really no rights. He says, but I'm going to bend to your situation and give you one. Yeah, thank God for bending. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I thought I was going to get one. Now, now watch this, watch this, watch this. Just so you can choose philosophy. Paul's going to give us another one, and then we're going to close. He says, it has been said, Jesus talking, anyone, he said, this is what y'all been teaching, that anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce, and you're good. Watch what Jesus says, in verse 32. He says, but I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, watch this, except for sexual immorality, watch this, makes her the victim of adultery. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Jesus said. He said, if you don't have grounds, sexual immorality, to divorce your spouse, he said, what you're essentially doing is you're telling the world that she's an adulterer. That he's an adulterer. Because really, the only grounds, you follow his logic? He's not saying they are an adulterer. He's saying you're telling people that they are. But see, divorce, <laughs> I mean, I was going to say this. I, I, I'm, I'm, we are so hard on homosexuals. Pastor Kim's going to preach on that next week. But let me tell you something. Uh, the church, we, we got to we, we got to stop pointing the finger. There's more people getting divorced and remarried and divorced and remarried and divorced and remarried than this game's in the church. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. So stop, stop coming all down on gays and queers and lesbians. We got other problems we got to deal with. Divorce has done more harm in the church than gays have. I promise you that. So we just need to stop all this stuff of looking down at people because they're different than us, because they sin differently than you do. All of us got stuff.
Then Jesus replied. Now this is just, this wasted me right here. This took me out. Jesus replied, mm -hmm. you're right, because not everyone can accept this word. But only those to whom it has been given. Oh, let me say this. Marriage is a calling. And everybody ain't called to it. See, see, what you think is, and I know the Bible says better married than burned with passion. But see, you mess around and marry on sex alone because you're a Christian and you don't want to be under condemnation. That's a church. That's a church for right here, right? So, so you need to get back. But, but see, but, but you don't realize. See, your your the, your biggest of your worries is not, you know, what I'm saying masturbation or doing whatever you do on the side and messing around. That ain't your biggest worry. Your biggest worry is causing another person to go to hell. That's right. On account of the dynamics of your relationship, and the Bible goes further and says, even the children. He says it's better for a millstone to be hung around your neck. Now here's Paul. I'm done. Here's Paul. Paul. So thank God, Paul. Thank God, Paul came behind and said, under the Holy Spirit, because look, we just start our relationship just got real screwed up, and so the Holy Spirit told Paul, we got to add another. We need to add one more. Paul said, we need to add one more. They really messed up. We got to add one more. He said to the married, I give this command. Now I to the Lord. Now what he's saying? He's not saying that like, we've seen this, but the Lord did said. He's saying I'm saying this. I'm not quoting Jesus. Are y'all still here? He says, he says to the married, I give this command, not out of the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband. But if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. I don't like these scriptures. I'll be honest. But they here. He goes on to say, and a husband must not divorce his wife. To the rest, I say this, not I of the Lord, not I the Lord, not I, 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 not the Lord. He says, if any brother has a wife who is not a believer, stay here, everybody. And she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. So somebody's Christian brother, she ain't saved. No, no. Paul said, no, 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 no. If she's willing to hang in there with you, she ain't come to faith in Christ, stay there with her. He goes on, he says, if a woman has a husband who is not a believer, and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. Verse 14, watch this, this is amazing. He says, for the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife. And the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. That's what I said earlier. See, yeah. the Lord does not need two saved people. Okay. If he got one, mm -hmm. there's a fighting chance. All right. Because if he can work through the one, now the other person, key point, has to be willing. This is what I'm dealing with all the time with folks. You got folks coming up, we ain't giving, I ain't getting no counseling. Listen, if you're saying that, I'm pleading with you right now. As a counselor, as a, listen, I'm pleading with you. As a marriage and family expert, I'm pleading with you. If you are a man or a woman in a marriage, this is not on the sermon. This is totally off script. I'm going to say this about the Spirit of God. If your marriage is in trouble, do not take that position that you don't want nobody in your business and you don't want nobody to bring, bring forth counsel. This is biblical. The Word of God says and the truth, you cannot work the differences out and you know you can't. He said, then bring someone else into the picture. Black people, white people, whatever kind of people you are, we've got to stop this foolishness of not wanting to get help for our children, not wanting to get help for our marriages, not wanting to get help for our families. We've got to stop. We've got to break this cycle in the name of Jesus. Yes, you've got the Holy Spirit, but you also need somebody else with the Holy Spirit to help work that stuff out of you. We bring a lot of mess to the table. I'm preaching to myself right now. We bring some stuff. 
the sister is not bound in such circumstances. God called us to live in what everybody? Peace. Verse 16. How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? I'm going to give you a few points that I'm going to post. All right, here's a summary. Now, the summary is a summary of what we studied, and then I'm going to give you some pastoral recommendations. It is I, not the Lord. Amen. First, marriage is a lifelong covenant. Next, marriage is designed to make us holy and not happy. Amen. Divorce, by the way, let me just say this, because I'm not trying to take the fun out of marriage. The word God says, if you seek first the kingdom, come on, say with me, everybody. Amen. If you seek first the kingdom, what do you say? His wife says, what Well, the goal of your marriage ought to be to become like Christ, the two of you. That's his name. Divorce is permitted but not required on the ground of sexual immorality. In other words, the point is this. Just because somebody cheated on you don't mean you need to end it. I see folks contrite, folks who, they, they messed up. Don't get me wrong, this is a painful thing. I've walked through several couples through this. It's a painful thing. Painful. It's a painful thing. However, let me say this. When someone is contrite and repentant and, 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 and they've fallen on their sword, proverbially speaking, and they are asking God for cleansing yeah. from their brokenness. Yeah. If God forgave you, yes. and now, now let me say this also, there are some situations where the hurt is so deep that you may not be able to recover. Thank God for grace. Yeah. It depends on where we are. Y'all know I'm a child of divorce, so I'm very sympathetic to where people are. But I gotta lift up the high and holy standard of God's word. Divorce is permitted but not required on the ground of desertion by an unbelieving spouse. If you have an unbelieving spouse that leads you, what can you do? If they desert you, I've seen this in this ruined family's children, just bad and just roll out. But they're not saved. They don't know how to do this. The word of God says, let them go. It says let them go. Do and go do your own thing. Now, here are my pastoral thoughts. Probably your seatbelts. I, not the Lord. This is based on 15 years of pastoring. This is based on my expertise in marriage and family. This is I, not the Lord. I want to say this. This, the family, this thing is so, we are such a broken people. There are things that are happening It makes it very difficult for a person to be a good husband or wife in life where they pain out. I understand that now. And early on, I didn't get that. But listen, there, there, there's a level of brokenness that we have that sometimes just makes it real difficult for us to get past certain things. Now, I'm saying this. Take it or leave it. First, if you are being abused, That's right. get out. This is me. This is me and not the Lord. If you are being abused, divorce is an option. Get to safety. Amen. Get out. Amen. 
And I said, I said abuse, I didn't qualify what kind. Man, I saw my wife the other day, some foolishness, listen, some crazy stuff. Now, I mean, this is, it ain't a word directly. I think I can work with it in desertion. Like, but since I'm not, this is, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to play this thing. Seriously. You're like, this is, this is, I do not want to give people the impression that I am getting the word of God. But I believe that you have broken covenant. Yes. If you abuse your spouse, number one. And then, I want to say this, any spouse who is abusive is an unbeliever. Even if they are baptized members of the church. You are abusive to your spouse who are not saved. You're a severely broken person and you need to experience the outpouring of the Spirit of God and counseling and help so that you can experience redemption, which I believe abuse is not the unpardonable sin. That would just be like saying if you hurt somebody, you can't be forgiven. Well, we all have hurt somebody, some more severely than others. But I have seen in my ministry abusers get set free and delivered. I see it. I never shall forget my dad was tax playing to New Jersey. I never forget, I did not call the person's name, but I remember this gentleman whose house we used to go over to. Very abusive and angry. He was in Vietnam. Just, I mean, he was two steps away from losing it. We would be fearful when we go to their house. And I never shall forget one Sabbath by the power of God moved in the church. And he happened to be there. And the Spirit of God broke him down. He turned out to be a man of God, became a pastor. His family was delivered and set free. His wife hung in there with him. There are exceptions. You can't throw away anybody. Victim or the perpetrator. But I'm telling you now. If a person is abusive, they don't have a Holy Ghost. They're not converted. They don't know who Jesus is. Next, our families are broken, and where there is sin, there is more grace. I'm not going to be this. I'm not going to be that preacher that gets up here and say that divorce is the unpardonable sin. Next, I got a word for the unmarried. Can I get can I have a few words? I got a word for the unmarried. I'm coming to you right now. If you are not married, I have a word for you. My wife knows I'm passionate about this. You can take this as anger, whatever it is, but it's love. Hear me. First thing I want to tell you, I suggest three engagement counseling. Do not come in my office. I'm warning you. I will do it anyway. But I am encouraging you. Do not come to the office already engaged. You are making it very difficult for your relationship when you put that. But the Lord told me, no, let me help you. <laughs> somebody it doesn't have to be me. Go to somebody else. I don't even care. But I, I have been here before where folks have come to the Lord has put together. I mean, beautiful services. I mean, the, the, the choirs there and praise teams. I've seen it all. And, and not long after that, they come and tell me I should have never got in there. The Lord told me I shouldn't have got in there. I mean, I don't know. Now you told me in the office that Jesus told you that. And how are you going to come turn back and say, Jesus did not
There, there are many different reasons, but I'm telling you right now, especially if you grow up in the Seventh-day Adventist church, divorce is not the unpardonable sin. Next. Divorce and remarriage is not so said it already. Next. All right, now to the remarriage. Let me say this. Improperly divorced and remarried Christians should stay as they are. There are some churches that will tell you that you got married, you didn't have ground, you need to get out of that marriage. That's foolishness. Uh -huh. Paul says, stay as you are, and I believe that the Lord will bless the second. You can work in the second marriage, you can work in the third marriage. You got to repent of but you got to stay where you are. That's right. Don't mess nobody else up. Stay in that thing and let Jesus work it out. Alright, now, so if you're unmarried, you have no interest in marriage, and you feel like this is not relevant to you, say this. Pray for marriages. Love the broken. We all are broken. Are we not all broken? How many know more than ever that we all need to save Jesus? Our families need it, amen. Let's stand together. We're going to close with prayer. We're going to close with prayer. Today is a baptism. We're going to baptism today. God. Is there somebody here today that you heard the message? And look, the message sometimes doesn't always have to be directed to your situation. But you may have heard the Holy Spirit speak to you saying that a change is taking place in your life. There's a baptism today, there's a baptism next month, wherever. But you want to join this church, you want to repent, give your life to Jesus Christ. It's nobody's business for what reason. But today you just want to say yes, Lord. You want God to take total control of your life. You don't want to no longer be on the outside of Jesus. Jesus on the inside of your life. If it's your desire to join this church, uh, baptism, rebaptism, transfer, membership, profession of faith, whatever, whatever way, you just know this is where you need to be. You need to repent. You need to give your life to Jesus. You need a, a new start, a new change. Your heads are bowed, your eyes closed. But if the Lord is talking to you today, I want you to just lift your hand. I don't know if you're here today. If the Lord is talking to you, just lift your hand. You want to come back. You want to come back to the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to begin to plug in in faith and relationship. You did religion and you did all the rules and you did all that. Now you want to walk in relationship with Jesus Christ. You want to, you want to be motivated by his grace and his love for you. How many know that the Lord loves you? What an amazing love. The Bible says in the last year, we thank God for that. Is there somebody that wants to join the church? That's what it does. Praise God. Praise his name. Your heads about your eyes closed. I need you praying, not looking. Praying helps people to make the decision. Looking intimidates them. You'll pray. That'll work. And if God's talking to you, I want you to just raise your hand. God says it's time to join, get baptized, be baptized at the appointed time. May not be today, maybe today, maybe later. But if you know God's talking to you. Now, I want you to just raise your hand. God's talking to you right now. Just raise your hand. God's talking to you right now. Yeah, let me add to this appeal as well. I got some, some folks that's married, some folks that's thinking about marriage, some folks that's dating. I want Jesus to be all in that thing. I want you to just come right here. I want to pray for you. If you want Jesus to be all in the marriage, where's my wife? I want my wife to come. I know she's ushering. I want my wife to come stand with me. If you want the Lord to be all in your marriage, all up in you, come on. You want the marriage broken? You want Him to fix it? Come on. Let's let, let Jesus be. If you're dating somebody, they're not even here. If your spouse ain't here, come forward. You want God to be in your relationship. Yeah. If you don't want to repeat those generational cycles, would you want God to be all in that thing, huh? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. We need help. We need help, amen. We all need help. Yes, God, God, somebody, somebody else, your relationship. You want the Lord to be in that thing. The government. Selfishness has ceased to hold your marriage. Or maybe you got a lot of issues and baggage. But you know God is a healer. He is a healer. He's a healer. Yes, he is. You'll fix it. I don't know. You may have got divorced. You didn't have grounds. You feel guilty. God says, give me your guilt. I'll take it. He said, every sin, I'll forgive you. Thank you.